This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Start. Parshat Hasriya Mitzorah, Parakid Gimel Pasuk Beis. We're speaking about Parshat Hasriya this week, even though technically it's a double Parsha. But it's since we're talking about Sarat, it really encompasses both parshas. If a person has in his skin a seis or a baharis, and a sapachas is the secondary color of each. The secondary color of a seis, the secondary color of a baharis, there's four different colors. It goes in his skin as a nega of tzoras. Then he's brought to Aaron the Kohanim, or one of his sons the Kohanim. He's brought over to Aaron or one of the Kohanim. So why the Kohanim? None of these quantum are medically trained. None of these quantum are doctors. Clearly, there's nothing like that. And it doesn't seem like you need that in order to do this, in order to be brought over and decide what's going to be with the Saras. Rev Hirsch quotes Tacitus and Barosius, who were two Roman historians who lived years ago, who both said that clearly these Kohanim were medically trained doctors who were there to heal sicknesses. And that's what these Kohanim were. The problem is the Pusik does not mention one thing about any type of refu or anything that a person could do for this to happen. So he rejects it completely and he says there's no way the Torah doesn't prescribe any medicine for these myths. Right, there's nothing to do. Minchabula says it very clearly. El ha kohen, the low el arofi. If you have saras, go to the kohen and not a doctor. Right, so this is not a natural sickness that a doctor will be able to heal with his medicines and everything else that he has. The kohen's job was just to define: is this a nega? Is it tame or is it not a nega? And it is tahor, and that's that which, in theory, anyone can do. So, if that's so, then why a kohen? You're not answering why you need a kohen. Why was this person chosen? Why couldn't you choose any Talmud Chacham who knows these colors for them to be able to decide if you're Tami or Tahor? And it's even stranger because if a Talmud Chacham knows the Halacha and the Kohen doesn't, the Kohen is an Amaretz, the Talmud Chacham goes to the Kohen Amaretz, tells him what to say, and then the Kohen says, Tame, and the guy's Tame. Or he says, Tahor, and the guy's Tahor. That's ridiculous. So why is there a Kohen involved in the first place if he's not even really poskening? He's just saying something and that's what works. That doesn't make any sense. So Rashi has the simplest answer by far. It's Xeris HaKasuf. It doesn't make any sense. Kohanim are allowed to do this. No one else. Sifzeh Chamim says Rashi learns it from the strange wording of the Pasuk. It should have said, O El Banov. El Aron O El Banov. That's all it needed to say. That the Negev be shown to anyone. The fact that it says, O El Echod Mi Banov, means you can even show it to a Talmud Chacham, but it has to be done through a Kohen's word, that even if you bring it over to a Talmud Chacham to define, nonetheless, the Kohen has to be involved, even if the Kohen is not Maritz, and it's Xeris HaKasuf, that makes no sense, says the Chacham, and based on Rashi, makes no sense at all, but that's the Alacha. Be'er Basada talks about this as well, the Mizrahi, the Gurariye, Zehu. Meshachachma brings a Gemara in Zvachim Yud Dalar I don't know if they got there in Dafyomi yet. Does anybody know? They got there it's somewhere around there in Dafyomi. Even though a non-Kohen can shecht korbanos, a non-Kohen is called a Zor. Even though a Zor, who's not a Kohen, is allowed to shecht korbanos, he is not allowed to shecht a para aduma. A para aduma must be done by a Kohen and possibly even by the Kohen Gadol. That a Kohen Gadol might have to do it, but certainly by a Kohen, not by a Zor. Rav Shishi Breed Ravidi says, this is similar to the laws of Tsaras. This is not an avoda. 
the shechita of the paraduma and looking at saras is not an avoda. You don't need big dekuna. You don't have to do it in the base of mikdash. There's no requirement to stand up, so to speak, to shakt or to look at these types of things. Those are not avodos. It's simply put, it's dinim of tuma and tahara. Things that are tummy and things that are tahor, and that's all it is. It's not anything more than that. That's the idea of it. It might be exeris akasuf, but he says it does make a little bit of sense. Says the Meshachachma, since Tsaras may be a contagious j- disease, that is Machlokis, Rambam, and Ramban, whether Tsaras is contagious or not, it makes a lot of sense that the Midrash promises that anyone who's involved in this type of idea of Tsaras, Paskin, and these types of things, will not be affected. That takes a crazy amount of Ashkacha Pratis. It's like Mother Teresa working with lepers in India. How do you know you're not going to catch whatever disease they have? Sure, leprosy might not be contagious, and I know Tsaras is not leprosy, but other diseases that these people may hold are contagious. So how could you work with them? What if something bad happens to you? How could you allow this to be? Says the Meshachachma says that you have to be special to deserve this Hashkacha Pratis. You have to be a special person to have this idea where we're going to have this on you, but you won't get the, the sickness. And in order for that to happen, the way we're saying it over here, you have to be somebody like a Kohen. Only a Kohen has that special Ashkacha Pratis. Specifically a Kohen, says the Meshachachma. No one else is like him, that he is a special little, I guess God is paying attention to him more, and therefore because of that, something special happens by him, he's not going to be there. Now that's the first real answer. Gezeris Akasuf from Rashi, and then added on, says the Meshachachma, the Kohen is special. He has a special amount of Hashkacha Pratis. Maybe you want to call that one in one A. Moshe of Zikanim says, we all know that Kohanim get gifts. They get truma, they get meiser, they get rachis uh, agez, they get bachor. They have all these gifts that are given to them from the Israelim itself. His work that he gets paid to do, the reason why he's getting this truma and part of the meiser, obviously meiser region goes to Levium, but the meiser can also be given to Kohanim because they're also Levium. And all these things is that he checks up on people and makes sure they are tameh, or Tahor. The people realize they need the Kohanim and they're willing to give these gifts of Truma and Meiser and everything like that, knowing that they're needed. So the idea that Moshe of Zikanim is saying is, is that every Kohen is doing this, so to speak, as his work. His work is as a sanitary officer. He's not a real doctor, but he's a man who can define this and call you Tamir Tahor. That's what he does for a living. That is his job. He serves in the base of Mikdash for Hashem. He's not getting paid to do that. He's getting paid to be a Tsaras guy getting paid to do what he needs to do to tell Mitzvahs what to do. And the Yisraelim need him, they realize that, and therefore they give him money. That's the concept, that's the idea of what the Moshe Zikanim says. The Chavetz Chaim even quotes this from the Medrash. It's by Yikra Rabba, Tesvav Chetz, it's brought by the Medrash Tadshe as well. Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, is this not beneath the dignity of Aaron, my brother? You mean to tell me that Aaron's wearing all this special clothing, the eight big day kuna, big day kuna gedola, all of the great things, and this, Aaron is going to look at a person's skin and look at a blemish, and he's going to say like, oh, Tomei, that's what he has to do? That sounds ridiculous. 
Send somebody else to do it. Not somebody who's so special that he's working in the base of Mikdash with the holiest of holy things. He's walking into the Aron, into the Kodesh HaKadoshim to put, to put Ketoros right down in front of the Aron Kodesh. And then he's looking at a person who has blemishes on his body? That's ridiculous. Why would you allow it? And says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, hasn't he benefited from these people by taking things from them? Doesn't he make his money off these people? He should give back. That's what the Medrash says. He should give back. And how does he give back? He gives back by defining Tzoras. In theory, the way the Chavetz Chaim understands this Medrash is that a Rav of a Kihila, a Rav of any community, is getting paid in order to lead them. And therefore, he's required, his payment is not to tell them things that are obvious, like the Halacha or a nice Dvar Torah on Shabbos. Good. It's there not just, I should say, I guess the inspiration involved is something big. His real thing is to tell them what's Tomei and what's Tahor. That's what a rabbi's paid for. Even if the Kiela says, we don't want to hear that from you, rabbi. Just tell us good speeches. That's all we really want. The job of a Rav is to be a Kohen who's defining this is Tomei and this is Tahor. He needs to tell the people, this is right and this is wrong. This is what we're doing and this is what we're not. That's what the rabbi's being paid for. And if the rabbi shirks his duty... Right, and if he doesn't do that, then he doesn't deserve to be paid. Mutav shu shogin valtium mizinit. It's better for them to do it by accident rather than do it on purpose. Does not apply to a rov. That applies to other people, but it doesn't apply to a rov. This is what he's hired to do. He's hired to be controversial, not stupid controversial, right? Where he does something on purpose to like rile up the masses. That's not what I mean. I mean controversial as in I'm telling you alacha that is important for you to know, even though you don't want to hear it. That's what a rav has to do. He's got to tell it to him, even if they don't want to hear it. Now, the Orachim HaKadosh says, this is why someone else has to be involved. He doesn't necessarily say a coin. It says on Friday night, everybody knows the famous Gemara and Shabbos, Kufiyot Tesema Beis, two malachim walk you home. Two malachim walk you home. One is a good malach, one is a bad malach. We'll call that like a mazik, like a shade. They're walking home with you. When you walk into the house, if the table is set... The candles are lit and all the food is ready to go on the table. Then the good malach turns to the bad malach and says, See, I hope it's like this next week. And the bad malach has to answer Amen. And unfortunately, if nothing is set, if the table is not there, nothing's working in the house, then the bad malach says, See, I want it to be like this next week. And the good malach has to answer Amen. Now, obviously, let's time out over here. This is not your wife's or your mother's fault when it comes boils down to it. This is 100% your fault. If you're not involved in the Shabbos preparations, then I 100% blame you. A guy went, once went up to the Kazanish and he said, Rebbe, I come home every single night and I see the house is filthy. The house is filthy. My wife isn't taking care of the house whatsoever. So Kazanish nodded his head and he looked at him and he said, Nemta Bezim, take a broom and sweep it yourself. What's wrong with you? Right? What does that mean? Like your wife isn't sweeping up the house. So sweep it up yourself. What does that mean? So I'm 100% blaming you. If I go to your house and your lights aren't lit and there's no food on the table, right? I don't want you going up to your wife and be like, it's hurt. <laughs> no, it's 100% your fault. Do it. And if you have to do it on Thursday night late because you're not going to have time on Friday because you're running home before Shabbos because Shabbos is at like, I don't know, like one in the afternoon, right? And you're running home and you got like a minute to shower and to do everything else. And you're like, well, I didn't have time. I hear you. I hear you. So do it the night before. What were you doing Thursday night? Stop the third movie. Just the third movie. You can watch the first two, but by the third movie, you turn it off for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like a different world now. I'm sorry. Stop the TV show you're binging. The, the, uh, let's say, because third movie, so there's half an hour, one and a half hour movies, right? So three hours, so we're going to do. Stop the, by the eighth 
episode of that season, right, the eighth episode, stop for a second and set the table and sweep up a little bit. You know what? I'll do it even in favor. I think you can even do this. Pick it up on your phone and watch while you're sweeping up. Okay? Is that okay? Is that better? Is that, that should be a little bit better? Then it's even better. And so we all have the same problem, guys. These, these, these binging on, on Netflix is killing us all, right? I know. It's the reason why Mashiach isn't here right now, a couple other reasons, but this is the number one, right? That, that's the idea behind it. So when the Kohen calls out loud and says that this Negastor says the Orachayim HaKadosh, it's the same thing. The power of the Kohen is to be able to say Tahor, and he causes such an effect in the entire Olam that the good Malach turns the bad Malach and says, Answer Amen. When the Kohen says this word, he's so powerful. His words are so powerful, he forces the Malachim to answer Amen. It is Tahor, says all the Malachim there, Amen. And even if he has to say Tame, it's the start of his Torah. It's the idea of trying to be starting the Torah as well. That's the concept behind it. There's a little bit more of the Orachayim Akadosh. The Kliakar says, Kohanim have three Midos that go up against three terrible Midos, right, that cause people to have Tsaras. We all know that Tsaras is caused from Lashon Hara. We all know the results of Lashon Hara. If you've never been involved in something Lashon Hara, you are not a human being, you're a rabbit. Speak next week, last week. That's when we talked about rabbits. So that, that's not there. That's Lashon Hara. Number two, the ego of a person and the pride that a person has. There's ego and pride that causes Tsaras to happen. And number three, being stingy and not wanting to give tzedakah. Kohanim combat that by being tremendous people. And that number one, they are road face shalom that always try to make friendships with one another. So there's no issue of Lashon Hara. Number two, he's a tremendous anav. Him and Moshe Rabbeinu said, Nachnu ma. Who are we? We're nothing when it comes to this. They argued in Parshas and Shmos Tazayin. And they can help people understand their own limitations. Kohanim also did not receive a portion in Eretz Yisrael. They don't have that issue of money issues in which they're going after other things. They're working for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And therefore, they have the ability to be Mechaper. In that sense, the Shach says, Kohanim are doctors. And I thought this was unbelievable. He brings a gematria. Listen to this. El HaKohen is the gematria of Rofe. Isn't that unbelievable? We said in the beginning, remember that medrash? We said, Ella Kohen excludes a doctor. You can't send to a doctor. That's what we said before. <laughs> Comes along the shach and says, El Aaron is the rofe. That's exactly what it is. I said, El Aaron is the gematria 287 and the same thing as rofe itself. The Kohen is that mida of chesed. He is there when there's pure mida zedin. He's the one that combats it. That's the idea the shach says. Yeah. The what? The rofe that we're referring to is the Kohen, but not through natural means, through his medicines or anything like that. The Kohen, through his words, through what he tells you to do, through his actions, that's the idea of what it means he's a rofe, but not an actual rofe, not an actual rofe. For sure, Tacitus and Barosius, you know those Roman historians, for sure they were into gematria, you would assume, right? So they saw the gematria, they said rofe, they were like, oh man, it's doctors, they're really doctors. That's clearly the shot behind them. The Ferris Shlomo says, when a person gets saras, that's a begam in the soul of the person who did something wrong. He knows there's something wrong. So we specifically go to Aaron or the Kohanim or anybody like that because the Aaron's Talmidim are people that always show them, road face show them. They're people who can fix that pagam in their soul. And I know the Orachayim HaKadosh basically said that, Kliyakar as well. But the concept is that you didn't even need Aaron. You could even go to El Echad Mi Banav HaKohanim. It didn't have to be on the level of Aaron, a guy who's so great. You don't have to go to Rechaim Knievsky to get your inspiration. You could go to somebody a lot 
less, a lot, lot smaller. And that's good also to get your inspiration. It doesn't always have to be a gadol. That's the concept the Radomsker says, that it doesn't have to be the Rebbe. It could also be a chosid, somebody else who's there, who's also an important person. That person is there as well. The Chassam Sofer in Torah's Moshe says, the reason why Kwanim were chosen is because they wore the big day kuna. I'm not going to give this justice. I'm telling you right now, this is a difficult Chassam Sofer. All Chassam Sofers are difficult because the Chassam Sofer is on a level where he's writing for people that are experts in Shas and Poskim, right? And he's writing out there as if like everybody should know that this is totally obvious. So he writes that the lavush of a person represents what they are on the outside. And there are two things. When Adam Marishon first put on clothing for the first time, it was called Kusnos Or. Ayin Vav Resh. They were called leather clothing. What the leather was, who knows? Remember last week we spoke that it might have been rabbit fur, right? So whatever it was, there were Kusnos Or that Adam Rishon wore. Reb Meir said, in my Torah, it says Kusnos Or with an Aleph. Now, Reb Meir is not postling every Sefer Torah in the world. He was a sofer. He's not postling every Sefer Torah. He meant that when it says they were wearing leather clothing, it meant that he made it spiritual clothing. He made it something better. Now, here's the deal. When a person puts on clothing, it has the ability to do one of two things to that person. It can either make him more physical, in other words, <laughs> trap in his ruchnius, that the ruchnius doesn't come out, and make him more of a gashmi person, somebody who's surrounded by something gashmi and can't allow his ruchnius to come out. So what exudes from him on the outside is something tame. That's one way of looking at this person. But there's another way of looking at this person. The other way is what other Marishon did. He wore the clothing, but he allowed his inside to shine through his outside. There was like a light that streamed forth from within him, sort of like how Moshe Rabbeinu shone like a light. <laughs> like Rabbi Yochanan had a light that came forth like the Gemara and Brachos and Daphne Bays, where they showed their arm and a light spread throughout the entire room. There was this shining light that people had that was their neshama going through, that they were dressed sneously, men or women, and yet still something from within was able to come out. Says the Ksam Sofer, and what he understands over here, is that if you look at the Kohen Gadol or the Kohanim wearing the big day kahuna, it wasn't just that they were wearing clothing. Through the clothing, you could see the spirituality of the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol. You saw not just clothes, you saw awesomeness, a light shining forth from within. That's what you saw. And when they saw that, they realized, these people that were Mitzorayim, allowed their clothing to hold in their ruchnius and only show their gashmius. That's why they got involved in all these terrible things and allowed themselves to get saras. They look at the Kohen. A Kohen has to be involved, says the Torah's Moshe, says the Chassam Sofer. He has to be involved because it shows them how to allow your spirituality to shine forth and not be trapped from within. How to take your clothing and allow it there. And that's the idea, I guess you can understand, right? That's the idea of like the white spot on the skin. It's ki'ilu, your gashmius. It's like from your clothing is getting so bad, it spreads onto your skin. And the ruchnius is being affected by your gashmius. Instead of your ruchnius coming out, your gashmius is coming in. And that's what happens to a person. You ever heard of chibut hakever? Has anybody heard of that? Chibut hakever? Chibut HaKever is what happens to every single person at the end of your life. Sort of, it's like Malachim spanking you after you die. That's basically what it is. And I know that sounds extremely strange, right? But it's really what it is. It's Malachim beating the garbage out of your body, taking the gashmias that you were involved with, and just beating it out. It happens to every single person, obviously, in different levels, right? I'm not going to have it at all. I don't know about you guys, but like, you know... I'm just, I'm so spiritual that that's, that's, that's going to be fine. I never eat cake, cookies, chillin'. 
That's, that's just not me, right? But the more you have it, that gets involved. This concept of Chibur HaKever is the same idea of what the Chassam Sofer is saying over here. Allowing the Gashmius to sink in is what Sarah stands for. You don't want that, obviously. You want it to go out. Okay, there's a Tzorla table over here as well. I don't think we need to worry about that. The Moshe Feinstein says in his Dorash Moshe, this is a lesson for life. Obviously, Tzoras, you go to a coin, that's one. Says Ramosha, this teaches us that when something bad happens to a person, go to a Gadol. Speak to a Rav. Go to somebody who's Chashuv and ask them, what can I do to work on myself and become a better person? Everything that happens in our lives. And I don't mean like the simple, I mean like the bigger thing, you should be connected to someone that you can speak it over. Like, I'm buying a house. What am I supposed to do when it comes to X, Y, and Z? Right? I'm working on, I'm dealing with a certain shidduch. What can I deal with when it comes to this and that and the other? I'm dealing with something my child is about to be born. Is there something that I should know I should have? There should always be that person in your life that you go to no matter what stage of life you're in. You should always have a Rebbe even if the Rebbe is younger than you. Even if the Rav is someone who's not of your age, somebody that's younger than you, if he's a of person that you feel you can take Eitzah from him, then you go to him and you say to him, what do you think in this case? I've gone to people that obviously are much older than me. I've gone to people that are younger than me. If I felt that they might have Eitzah, that would be good for me because they know me well. That's the idea behind it, to find something. Says the Darash Moshe, going to the Kohen means... Yes, you go to doctors when you get sick. Obviously, if you have a white spot in your skin, you should be going to doctors. <laughs> I would call Hatzalah, right? Something weird is going on right now. Obviously, that's something you want to go to the hospital about. It's not like you say to your wife, it's just like, okay, I've got this weird white spot in my skin. I think I'm going to call Rabbi Cohn, right? Is that a good idea? Oh, he's a Cohen. That's a bad call. Rabbi uh, Tversky, he's not a Cohen, right? Then we're good, right? I'll call Rabbi Tversky. I'll call Rabbi Tversky first. Mark's like, what, what? Why don't you call a doctor? No, 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 no. No, no, because I feel like the rabbi will tell me what to do. Isn't that crazy? So I was like, what if it's contagious and literally you're destroying the world? You're turning the entire world into zombies. Isn't that the fear that everyone has, right? So therefore, I think you should call a doctor. We tell you, says Rav Moshe, obviously, you obviously go to a doctor as well. But the point behind our Parsha is, is that when you get a sickness, when something happens, good or bad, Always have that rub involved. Someone involved that you can talk to, speak it over with. Is there something I can work on, something that I could do? That's the concept that we're learning as a remez through our Parsha. Tom Vidas from Strombach says, everyone thinks that they can work out their own problems, right? We all think that we're fine, we're good, we don't have to worry about this type of stuff. For this reason, we say vehuva. Vehuva means bring him in. Even if he doesn't want to go, he's like, no, 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 I can take care of this myself. We're all guys, right? We can take care of it ourselves. We don't need anybody else telling us directions or where to go or what to do. For this, vehuva. He might need something to be able to go through. And obviously, we can use that in everything. We always need to know that there's someone to go to, that we might need a little bit of help when it comes to stuff like that. More of a Shemesh talks about this as well. We're going to skip that as well over here. Okay, so you might think to yourself, I got it. So in order to become Tamir or Tahor, I've got to go to a Kohen, right? I go to the Kohen. If the Kohen says I'm Tahor, I'm Tahor. If the Kohen says I'm Tameh, then I'm Tameh. What if he doesn't say I'm Tameh? Meaning, what if I don't go to the Kohen at all? Why should I bother going? I mean, I'm going to be really smart about this, right? I'm only Tameh when the Kohen says I'm Tameh, right? So have you ever thought of this question? Don't go. Technically, you have a cheskes tara, which means you already were tahor, and then you got this white spot. But I'm not tummy until the Kohen tells me that I'm tummy. 
So I only become Tahor after becoming Tameh when the Kohen calls me Tahor, but I'm really not Tameh until the Kohen says something. So don't ask. Isn't that a great idea? Don't ask. Just cover yourself really well, wear gloves the whole time, right? And as you turn white, little by little, right? This is not a reverse racism thing. I mean, as you turn like really white with all the, you know, with all those spots, right? Eventually you say like, oh no, no, it's okay. Everything's fine. I can just cover it up a little bit more. You wear big turtlenecks, right? You keep wearing up, wear a little face mask. You get that all down, right? What happens at that point? Why can't you just say, no, I'm not going to a coin. Yeah. So yes, there is a measure that says first it goes on the house, then it goes on the clothes, then it goes on the body. So that already happened according to that measure. So I'm not worried about that. And plus, it could be that for the clothes in the house, it might be for another sin. For Lashonara of the body, right, that's when it's supposed to be on the body itself. So let's assume that it's just going to be on the body, yeah. What do you know? You don't know the colors. I know it's white. I don't want to, because then it, the worst thing, the best thing that can happen is that he says it's Torah. The worst thing that can happen is he says it's tummy. So I won't go, and then he won't say it's tummy, and I don't have to worry. I just won't go. So why should I go? I just, I, I see no reason to go. Says Ibn Ezra, that's why it doesn't say Uba Ella Kohen. It says, as we just said, the Huva Ella Kohen. If he doesn't go by himself, he is taken to the coin. He is brought to the coin. If anyone sees any of these Nagayim, I mean, if you're walking in the street and you see a guy with a big white spot all around his arm, first of all, run. Second of all, right, because again, that could be the start of a zombie apocalypse and you really don't want to get involved with that. If it's not the zombie apocalypse, nonetheless, you should find a coin and say, get that guy to a coin. Bring that guy in because something's wrong with that guy. The huva means bring him in if he won't go himself. Sforno and the Chizkuni say the exact same thing. This man can be forced to go to a coin even if he refuses the Zohar and Kela Gimel Memchas still I haven't done the Zohar not 40 but it says anyone who sees this is chayiv to bring it into a coin those all mentioned over there the rush in Negayim Mishnah's Negayim Paragimel Mishnah Beis says Beisdin can force this man to go to a coin and he says it may even be a mitzvah assay a mitzvah assay for the man to go to a coin that if you go just going could very well be a mitzvah the Rambam in this parsha seems to say the Ramban I'm sorry in this parsha seems to say the quantum can force him to come to them but we never see quantum forcing anybody it's always Beisdin or somebody else we never see the random Cohen. Cohen doesn't have power to be able to do that, but he probably means based in doing it and stuff like that. So the parties Yosef asked, so why don't the post can bring this halacha? That you can force the man to go see a Cohen. You should bring this down to the Rambam. The Rambam should say, force the man to go to see a Cohen, even if he doesn't want to go, force him to be able to go. He says, like the following, he says, it makes sense according to those who say that it's contagious. If you say it's contagious, then it would be considered a nezik for others. You got to stay far away from these types of things and damage and stuff like that. And you have to get rid of it as soon as you can. So obviously it would be part of this idea of trying to get rid of a nezek. So if you ask, why in the world do I have to go to a coin? I don't have to become Tommy. The answer is you got to keep yourself from damaging others. And since you have to stop yourself from damaging others, therefore you have to go to a coin. Where do we learn that you can't damage other people? Does anybody know? Where does it say in the Torah you can't damage other people? Where does it say in the Torah you're not allowed to hurt other people? What? By Moshe? No, technically not, even though it says he you know, lifted his arm in order to punch him. It doesn't say he can't. That's not a lav. Russia. Yeah, Russia, but it doesn't say an actual lav or an assay, right? Where's the lav or assay that you're not allowed to punch somebody, you're not allowed to hurt somebody, you're not allowed to hit them? I mean, maybe you can, right? What? But that's not a lava or an assay. Meaning, I get it. There are stories that you shouldn't do those types of things, but it doesn't say straight out you shouldn't do it. So it's a machlok. It's a big machlok. It's a shimon shkup. The, the, well, yeah? 
not bad, actually. That's absolutely not bad. That you, you have to pay for damage. It, it's famous that the stipler said it was from the Aftalarecha Kamocha, right? I believe it was Roshkup, the Roshim Roshkup that said that it says the Yosef, if you can't add on, Bazdin can only give you 39 Malchus, and they can't, Lo Yosef, you can't add on. So if you add on, obviously it's something that's us, or you can't hit somebody more than what he's supposed to get. That's a Lo Yosef, right? It could be that you're supposed to pay. If you're supposed to pay, it's obvious that you can't hurt somebody, right? There are some others, but they, it's strange. There is no possibility in the Torah that says do not hit someone. It doesn't say that anywhere. It says what will happen if you do hit someone, but it doesn't say not to do so necessarily. But that's the idea behind it. It could be that they have to get involved and Bazin has to get involved for this very reason because of what's going to happen over here. There's, there's a lot of stuff over here that I'm not going to get involved with. I have it down in the sheet so you can see it over here. Shach says from the Zohar, anyone who sees the sickness is required to bring him to a coin because you, you should not allow someone with this nega to be walking the streets looking that way. It's true about anyone. You see a guy who has something, let's say his collar is up, you know, in the back of his jacket. Don't let him walk around that way. Go up to him and fix the collar. Right? You see somebody with a stain on his shirt, go up to him and tell him you've got a stain on your shirt. It would help me a lot if somebody would tell me if I've got that one little piece of, you know, that green thing stuck in the teeth right in the front, right over there. Just go up to me and tell me you've got something green stuck in your teeth. Stop staring at me the whole time and be like, what is that? Wonder what that is. Just tell me that it's in there. I know I brush my teeth twice a day, but I don't have a toothbrush on me at all times just brushing, no matter where I go, it happens, it happens to everybody. When somebody has something that you know might be embarrassing toward that person, right over here is where we learn. This idea is just like you take a guy to the coin to go see whether it's Saras or not, so you can tell whether it's bad or not. So to over here, you're supposed to go up and try to figure out is there something this guy needs or not, or whatever it is? I feel this possibly could even be a mitzvah say, according to the rush, to be able to help out a person when something's going wrong over here. The Tosa Shalom says, Vehuva is really Vehuba, that he should come himself. If he doesn't go himself, that's that. That's the idea behind it. Now, our last thing that we want to get into is what about women? What about women when it comes to the ideas of Tsaras? You know, everything is in the masculine term when it comes to this. So I've got two questions. Number one, what if a woman has Tsaras? Does a Kohen see her? And number two, can a woman see Tsaras? Can a Kohen's wife or a Bas Kohen see Tsaras and Paskin on it the way that a Kohen can? Is that allowed or not? So first of all, a Baumun is allowed to see Mitzorayim and Paskin for them. A Chalal cannot. Mibanov includes Balemun. Hakohanim excludes Chalalin. A Chalal who cannot serve in the base of Mikdash cannot see Mitzorayim. A Balmun can. The Rambam says in Parakzain Hilchas Halachatas and Trumos that this requires, Soras requires a Kohen Miyuchas, a Kohen with Yichus that goes all the way through, meaning not a Chalal. That's what the Rambam means by that, possibly from this exclusion right over here. Only one coin is said. You do not need a Bazdin of Kohanim. One coin is good enough, according to Gemara and Sanhedrin, Lamed Dalim of Bez. Tafnas Paneach brings out a bunch of other cases with a Baumum, etc., but that's the idea. Minchas Chinuch asked the Kashi, he says, in Mitzvah, Mitzvah Sasei Kuf Samachtas, he goes in Kuf Samachtas, he says the following, he says, if an androgynous or a tumtum is a coin, can they paskin about saras? An androgynous is a guy, androgynous. He has both parts. A tumtum is a person who is hidden in that area. We don't know if he's male or female. Such a person who is both or neither one, are they able to or not? He says they cannot. They cannot because there is a woman side to both the androgynous and the tumtum, and therefore he cannot see. What does that sound like? Mitzchanuch is saying since uh, a, a person who might be a woman cannot see Nagayim. Therefore, a woman 
clearly cannot see Negayim. That's what they darshan from the Menchazkenu. The Menchazkenu doesn't even bring it up. Doesn't bring up whether a woman or not. If an androgynous and a tumtum can't, the assumption is that a woman certainly can't. Tiferes Yisrael in the Mishnayis and Perak Beis Mishnahay says the exact same thing. Woman cannot see Negayim. The reasoning is the same. The reasoning is, it says Aaron Ubanov in the Parsha. Aaron and his sons. Aaron and his sons excludes his daughters. So the daughters of Quantum can't see it. The wives of Quantum wouldn't be able to see it. That would exclude them. It also seems to be in Chul and Kuflamid Beis as well. Siach HaSoda tries to suggest there might be different factors over here. Maybe the only time the exclusion is made is when there's no other exclusion to make. In other words, Aaron Ubanov excludes woman if you don't need Aaron Ubanov for anything else. But over here, we might need Aaron Ubanov for something else. Aaron Ubanov is there to exclude a Talmud Chacham. Can Moshe Sinagayim? Is Moshe able to paskin on Saras? Moshe Rabbeinu himself. No. Why not? He's not Aaron Ubanov. So Aaron Abanov excludes Moshe and a tremendous Talmud Chacham. It's not there. There's no extra Pasuk to exclude woman. So Siyah Hasada says, it could be, it's possible that woman could see Negayim. Arguing with the Tzvaris, they're all arguing in the Menchus Now listen to this. There's a Medrash Agada that's brought even better by the Medrash Tanchuma. Here's what happened. A coin became very poor. He wanted to leave Eretz to go make his living somewhere else. So he said to his wife, he said to his wife, listen, I'm going to go somewhere else. We're gonna, I'm going to go outside of Eretz I'm going to go make a little bit of money so that we have money for the kids. Otherwise, we're starving. We're just not making it here. I'm going to make this money and then I'll come back years from now and everything should be there. His wife said, fine, you need to go, you need to go. First, teach me the halachos of Nagayim. Teach me the halachos of Nagayim. That's what she asked. So the Kohen said, the first thing you need to know is the following, that Hashem creates every hair with hashkacha. And Hashem creates a wellspring underneath every hair that allows it to have color. At one point, Hashem can stop the wellspring from coming forth and it'll stop it from growing and then it turns white. That's a dead hair. And that's the reason why it becomes dead. But Hashem is hashkacha in every single hair. So the woman turned to her husband and said, listen to what you're saying. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave parnasa to every single hair on the body, why can't he give you parnasa wherever you are in the world? You have to go to Chutzlitz to get parnasa. You can get parnasa here as well. He said, you're right, 100% right. I decided I'm staying in Eretz and that man became Rebel Yashiv. I, I don't know. There's no I, there's no, I don't know what the end of the story is. Maybe they maybe died of hunger. <laughs> but the idea behind the measures is very, very clear, right? The concept is, HaKadosh Baruch can take care of everybody. If he does that, he does that. What was she asking about the halachas and the Gaim for? seems weird that that was the lesson she wanted to teach from the Gaim specifically. So the Medrash Tanchuma says it a bit more explicit. Many people come to me, said the Kohen, to ask about their tzaras. So let me teach you, he told his wife, about the halachas of tzaras, so that instead of coming to me, because I'm going to be out of town, they'll come to you instead. What does that show you? What does that measure seem to say? Meaning woman has the ability to paskin. A bas Kohen or a wife of a Kohen seem to have the ability to paskin, just like a man does. Yeah, Ruth. I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. When it says Aaron Abanov, that means Aaron and his sons, not woman. No, it wouldn't have said that way. But however, since it does say we darshan this, B'nai Yisrael, V'lo B'nai Yisrael, is throughout the Torah. That's a drush that we make everywhere. Aaron Ubanov, Aaron and his sons, B'davka. Siyach HaSada. So Siyach HaSada said, it might depend, only if Aaron Ubanov has no other drush to be made. Here there is another drush to be made. Aaron Ubanov excludes any other non-Kohen. 
You never learn two things from one pasuk. That's impossible. You can't learn two things from one pasuk. There's one drush to be made. That's going to be that. Now, the truth is, guys, when it comes to this, the oats are plows, the Torah gives an ingenious answer. So we just said that there's a problem over here, right? He obviously told his wife to be able to go see the Negayim, right? And she said, no, don't, etc. And she kept him there. But there was an Ahava Mina that she was going to see the Negayim over here. So he says the following. No, not necessarily. Maybe the reason why he was telling his wife is that his wife would become a Talmud Chacham. And what is the Talmud Chacham able to do? Tell a Kohen Amaaretz what to do. He had kids, right? Mr. he had sons. So the sons could say whether it's Tamei or Tahor. But he couldn't teach them. They weren't old enough yet. So he taught his wife, said his wife could tell the sons whether to say Tamei or Tahor. Is that ingenious? That's absolutely ingenious. So it doesn't prove that a woman could see it. It's that he wanted to teach his wife. Said his wife will be able to be that Talmud Chacham that's right over there. Torah to me brings Yerushalmi Nida Perak Beis Halachazayin that there is no question a woman who has a nega must show it to a coin, and he would have to look at her, even though obviously that's a breach of tzniyas. This is not a question of, like in the base of Mikdash, when a woman would bring a korban, there's poskim that say that they looked in the kior, so they would see a mirrored image of the woman. Remember, the kior was rounded, so it would be like, you know, like a funhouse mirror, right, where the woman would be distorted, so they would see the woman, but they wouldn't really see the woman, and that's how they were able to look at the person when they did that. But here, we're not saying that. Here, you're looking directly at the woman. You're looking at the nega itself, and you can't look at it through another thing. You have to look at the skin of a woman. Well, obviously, negayim doesn't apply in dvarim sasarim, so not in private areas, so that wouldn't be an issue. But if it's in a private area, it's not a big issue. It has to be in a place that's normally shown. However, it could be on the arm. That's still a breach of sneeze. How could that be? It's possible. It's possible, the way to understand according to the Torah's Mima, that this is something different, and maybe that's the reason why women could be involved in seeing Negayim. Maybe that Medrash is meant to be taken literally, that women were taught how to look at Negayim like the men were, and they specifically looked at women who had Negayim. Men would look at men, and women would look at women, and the men would be able to pasken on the men, and the woman Kohana would be able to pasken about woman. Maybe they didn't even paskin. Maybe the woman looked, saw what it was, and told the Kohen, the male Kohen, what to do. But there were women who seemed to have been taught about these Negayim, about what to do and how to do it. It seems like that is a psak. That's what I would learn from that Torah Tamima. Very interesting Torah Tamima over there. That's the idea. We're going to end with this for right now. Ayala Sashakra says it would make sense that a Kohen who sees Negayim would make a bracha. Asher kiddishanu b'mitzvosav, kiddishanu b'mitzvosav. Um, I'm sorry. Asher kedeshanu b'mitzvot sov b'kedusha so shall Aaron. I messed that up. I knew I should have put out the not do the Aleph Kuf Bezer here. Asher kedeshanu b'kedusha so shall Aaron v'tzivanu liros v'lifsok al hanegayim. That's the bracha they should make. Says, that's what you'd make. Even though judges don't make a bracha before they judge a case. But here's the reason why. Because judges don't make or break a case. Whether the person is chayiv or pater, whether it's mutter or usr, when a judge paskins a case, he's just telling you his psak on the case, but it's, it's already either chayiv or usr or pater or mutter or whatever it is. It's already done by a coin. How does a person become tameh by tzaras? How does a person become tameh? The Kohen makes him Tameh. So halakhically speaking, he literally creates Saras with his own mouth. He's got to make a bracha. Asher kiddushanu b'gdusha so shalarom v'tzivanu liros 
the lifsok al That is an unbelievable shot over here. Tiferes Stroll says the same in Negayim, Paragimel, Mishnah Aleph, Os Beis, but it's such an unbelievable idea. On the back over here, there is a strange story from Aleinu Lushabach that I wanted to go into. Great story, but a strange story. Chavetz Chaim and the Dorash David. You can look at it a little bit later, but otherwise, guys, we'll stop with this. Have a great Shabbos.